Is that in your Bible this morning? And the Bible says, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The Bible says in verse 21, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them. Lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Shall we bow? Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, you are from everlasting to everlasting. You have created the heavens and the earth, and you have made all things well. We thank you this morning for all of your many blessings. We pray, Father, that you would look down upon this group of people today. We ask that you would please forgive us all of our sins. That as we worship you, our worship will be accepting and pleasing to God. We ask that you would open our hearts at this time to be ready to receive thy word. And Father, we pray for all visitors that you would open even their hearts to be ready to receive thy word. We pray for your manservant that you bless him to speak those things according to thy truth. And we pray that by the last amen that all of the things we need to correct within ourselves that we can do that before it is 
eternally too late. This is our prayer. We offer in the name of Jesus, who took our place on the cruel cross of Calvary. Let God's people say, Amen. I, first of all, would like to apologize to God's people for not speaking on the subject of hell. Somebody say, well, preacher, why are you apologizing? Because Jesus not only speaks of heaven, but he speaks of hell as well. And I believe that if you speak of heaven, that gives us reaching opportunity, encouragement, and motivation. And that's good, and that's needed. But I believe that if you tell people about hell, it will rattle the soul and rattle your spirit. And just in case you might be on the wrong road, hopefully you might just get on the right road. I want to talk to you continuing on our theme, which is going to the next level of ministry. I want to use as a topic this morning, Taking God serious. I want you to know that the reason why God's people are not faithful like we can be faithful is because we really don't take God serious. Oh, you're quiet this morning, but I'm going to do this thing all by myself. We don't take him serious. The whole church should have shouted amen. We don't take God serious. And I want to talk to you about what the future holds for some people. Let's not make any mistake about it. Everybody ain't gone to heaven. And everybody, thank God, ain't gone to hell. But there are some who will go to heaven and there are Others who will make their eternal home call hell. Let me, let me give you some preliminaries before we get into the lesson today. I apologize and we won't get past verse 2. I know you want the whole thing. You want the whole meal. But sometimes you can't, you can't handle the whole thing. Not only can't. We handled the whole thing, but I can't preach the whole thing. And Luke 16 is just too important to me to just run over these verses. There are some verses you got to understand. Matter of fact, you need to understand them uh, on this morning. And when I was growing up, believe it or not, I did not hear a lot of sermons on hell. And you still don't hear a lot of sermons on hell. There are preachers today who believe in what is called universalism. They preach a doctrine that God, in the end, is going to save everybody. It doesn't make a difference how wicked you might be, how evil you are, how much sin that you might commit. God is so good. God is so loving. God is so true. God will save everybody. I stopped by today to tell you. That that's a bold-faced lie. And if you've been reading and studying your Bible, you can't find one scripture that would teach that in the end that God is going to save everybody. Let me start off by saying this. I want you to know today, when you look at Luke, the 16th chapter, run me to verse number 19. I want to show you something before we get into the lesson text today or further along in it, should I say. Look at verse 19. There was a certain rich man. You see it? Now some say 
that in the Greek language, the word tis, T-I-S, that some believe, some scholars, that is, they believe that this particular story is real. Some scholars believe it's real. While others believe it is not real. The reason why some scholars believe it is not real because of that word certain. It's the word tis in the Greek. And they say that because that person is not named. Well, when you look at the Latin Vulgate, you'll see that the word certain, and some people mistake his name for being dives, D-I-V-E-S. Somebody say, why are you saying this? I'm just trying to help us build this porch that you could understand better when we get into this thing. There was a dives man. The word dives mean rich. When it was translated from the Greek into Latin, they didn't use the word certain like the Englishman did. They used the word dives. Dives was not his name. Dives was naming that he was rich. And so this fellow here is not named. Whether you believe that this is not a true story, the scene Jesus gives is real. Whether you believe that this is just a parable, whether it's true or not, I want you to know the place that he's talking about is real. And I want you to understand on this morning that God gives us or does us a favor, should I say. God gives us insight into another dimension out of all of the scriptures that I've studied on death and etc. Luke 16 gives us the greatest vivid kind of clear picture into what the afterlife is all about. And I want you all to understand today, God in Luke 16, he gives us eyes. He gives us ears. He gives us voice. He gives us what I call personality in eternal reality. God gives us insight into the next world. And I stopped by today to tell you that it behooves every man, woman, boy, and girl that if you are not living right today, that if you are living in sin, that if you are breaking God's law, that if you stand at a guilty distance from the Lord this morning, I stop by today to tell you, not meaning any harm, that if you die unrepentant, then you are on your way to hell. I know that's not popular, but I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to be pleasing to God. If you are not living right today, if you die in your sins, don't be amazed, don't be baffled, don't be shocked. Hell is going to be your home. Hello, somebody. I said, Hell. Is going to be your eternal home. God is from everlasting to everlasting. Your life is going to begin when you die. You got all eternity to think about why you didn't and why you made the decision not to serve God like God wanted us to serve him. Well, now, with that being said, I think that you're ready for this now. I think you're ready for it. Luke chapter 16. I'm going to give you some points this morning. And I want to, let me, let me get this here. And I want to just, just, just take our time this morning. We ain't going to be all night. But I want you to see this this morning. Going to the next level of ministry is going to take you making up your mind to get serious about God. You don't just go to the next level of ministry where you can do more for the Lord 
where you can be better for the Lord just by osmosis. You have to make up your mind. You have to turn on the light bulb in your mind and tell yourself that I need to do better. You're going to have to make up in your mind that I must do better for myself, for my soul, and my salvation. For your children, those of you who have children, for those who are surrounding you, we have to do much better than what we do. It's just here. Verse 19. If you're still on the line, just say amen. Now, there was a man, a certain rich man. I like what God does. God didn't, God didn't, God didn't. I hope he wasn't talking to me, but okay, he's talking to somebody else. Uh, who was that? Well, I don't know who he was, uh, but, but he's a certain rich man. And the Bible says there was a certain rich man. Can I say something? That this individual, Jesus, I think he left his name out on purpose. Because I believe Jesus can say that he can stand for anybody. He can stand for any man. He can stand for any woman. He can stand for any husband. He can stand for any wife. He can stand for anybody. There was a certain rich man. And the Bible says, uh, which was what? Clothed. Clothed. In what? In purple and fine linen. Now, let's stop right over here. This fellow can be who? Anybody. So that means this morning uh, that he can be me. That person can be you. That person can be anybody. Must I say that just because you are a baptized believer does not mean uh, that you are on your way to heaven. Amen, somebody. I know we think because we put three-piece suits on and nice dress on and high heels and I was so good uh, that we are on our way to heaven. Uh, it's going to take a whole lot more than dressing good and smelling good and looking good to end up in God's heaven. There's a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. Now, you got to understand this. You got to understand this. Because people say, how can your loving God cast people into, into hell? You, you got to understand why this man ended up in hell. And let me say this for all the Greek scholars in the audience and, and those who may be watching live on the Facebook uh, Live now, I do understand that Luke 16 uses a number of figurative language. And I do understand it uses a number of metaphoric language and apocalyptic language. But I don't want to deal with all that today. I want to deal with the reality that hell is real. That's what I'm dealing with. I want you to understand hell is real. And what Jesus does, he wants us to understand that it's real. And I think that God does it for a reason that sometime uh, we get off track. And we always need to remind ourselves that if you don't straighten your life up, here's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. What you need to understand about this word purple, purple was a dye. It's a dye. And uh, purple was, was what the the rich had. Now, I'm not just talking about rich. I'm talking about rich on top of rich, on top of rich. Money on top of money, on top of money, on top of money. It was restricted in its usage. Not many people can buy purple. Y'all remember Luke 16? We had a sister in the early church by the name of Sister Lydia. Y'all remember her? In Luke chapter 16, the Bible says that she was a seller of what? Of purple. Y'all, Lydia had a lot of money. God started the church with the jailer and Lydia. The church started at Philippi with money. This woman here was a big bank. Purple was a dye. It was what the wealthy and royalty wore. The nobles wore. It was wealthy and it represented power. You can only get purple. The city of Tyre. That's where you got it from. Now, this 
expensive diamond was a combination of colors. It was not only, it gave you this royal, deep kind of blue, almost looked like purple, if you will. It was, it was rose. Uh, it was scarlet. It was violent. It was a mixture of colors. It was what the kings and the queens wore, this purple. This man was a big bank. He not only wore purple, y'all, but he wore fine linen. Now, you got fine linen that was imported from Egypt. It was what the pharaohs would deal with. This fella here was big bank. Not only that, but the Bible says, and he fared sumptuously every day. Every day. Y'all, he wore cold clothes like kings. He wore stuff from Egypt. He ate good every day. This fair assumption was mean that he's, he, he had a feast every day. Let me try to help y'all here. Anybody up in here been to Sullivan's Steakhouse? Oh, come on, raise your hand. Let us raise your hand. You been to Sullivan? That, that's it? Flemings. Oh, Chris. Now, if you ain't got no money, you ain't got no business at Sullivan's and Flemings, and you know you might have to go once a year at anniversary time, or you know, you know that kind of stuff. Because if you ain't got no money, you're gonna go broke. This fella was eating Sullivan's and Flemings and Roots Chris every day. Are y'all listening to me? Every day. He fared sumptuously every day. I call him Big Baller Shot Caller. Y'all remember Fat Pat? Y'all remember Fat Pat? Wanna be a baller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fella. Was. He was a big baller shot caller. This fella was big bank. And I'm trying to show y'all the picture. Why he ended up in hell. Verse 2, watch scene number 2, scene number 2, watch this, the Bible talks about a poor, sick, homeless, agitated, beggar, verse number 20 says, and there was a certain, you see it, verse 19 was, there was a certain rich man, Jesus comes, verse 20, and there was a certain beggar, but he names him. And y'all, that ain't the same Lazarus that Jesus rose from the grave, in case you're thinking that was him. That ain't him. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate. Whose gate? The man who wore purple, fine linen, ate Flemings every day. He was at his gate. Bible says the beggar Lazarus, which was laid at his gate with what? Full of sores. The rich man was clothed in purple, fine linen. Lazarus was clothed with sores. He was laid at the rich man's gate, full of sores. Watch verse number 21. They go together. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs. Must I say that the rich man was not at Lazarus' gate for six hours. He was not there for six days. He was there for a certain amount of years. The rich man, when he got in his first century kind of a limousine. Y'all remember that song I just told you about? 
want to be a baller, want to be a baller, shot caller, 20, 20 inch blades on the M. This fella on his 20 inch blade impala will leave his house, pass his gate, witness Lazarus, who is poor, who is sick, who is homeless, who is agitated, and a beggar every day. He passed. He witnessed Lazarus, but he didn't even give him the crumbs that fell from his table. Watch this. The Bible says, and moreover, the dogs came and did what? The dogs became his personal nurses. The funny thing about it is, nobody in the rich man's house had enough compassion. Matter of fact, nobody outside of the rich man's house had compassion on Lazarus but some dogs. Let me tell you something. The dogs don't even have a soul. This fellow's body was infected. He had sores everywhere. And of infection, his sores began to leak. And when his sores began to leak, the dogs came. And the dogs was licking uh, the sores of Lazarus over and over. And I want you to know somebody will say, well, you know, that was a good thing, Brother Vils, that the dogs came uh, and licked up Lazarus' sores. No, it wasn't. Because unless it's your dog, these were street dogs. These were stray dogs. These were dogs that were knocking over people's trash cans. These were dogs uh, like buzzards uh, trying to eat up anything uh, that they can find. Uh, and when they saw this sick, rotten body kind of a man, uh, they would go over to him and they would lick his sores. Lazarus was so poor and perhaps so weak he couldn't probably fight the dogs off. You know, if it's not your dog, you don't want no dog licking on you. And Lazarus, these dogs wouldn't leave him alone because his sores kept leaking. These dogs, he was agitated. And the rich man passed every single day and didn't give him the crumbs. Let me tell you something. Don't knock the rich man. Sometimes God places people in our spiritual gate. Right up in our spiritual gate. Right up in your face. And when it's not physical, sometimes it's spiritual. You know that they are in need uh, of something uh, that's on your spiritual table. But you make the decision. Y'all sing the song. You never mention him. You met me day by day. You know I was a, but you never Dogs came and licked his sores. Rich man, what's up with that? What's up with that? How can you pass every single day and watch this man? See this man suffering and you do nothing about it. I, I like what Jesus says, Brother Young. Jesus talks about that, that when I was in prison, you didn't come to see me. He says, when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. Let me tell you something. You better be careful how you treat people who we claim that's under us. The tables one day are going to turn. And the people who were at the bottom uh, in eternity are going to be at the top. And some people who are at the top is going to be at the bottom. Be careful who you pass on in this life. I'm telling you, Lazarus. Lazarus, all he wanted, he didn't want his filet mignon. He didn't want his chopped up lamb. All he wanted was the crumbs, man. And that man didn't have no compassion. And he passed on him every day. Again, in verse 22, watch this. And the Bible says, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. 
and it came to pass. Ooh, you know, we, we think, we think that we got forever to live. We think that just because we got our health, that tomorrow morning we're going to get up. Amen, somebody. We just believe that, that we're going to live to be 70 or 80 or 90 years. Let me tell you something. That's not so. The Bible says, the Bible says, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. Let me tell you all something. This, this kind of a, of, a, of a text reading, I don't know if it gets your attention, but it certainly get mine. And when I was working on this thing, and I'm not finished, and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do everything today, but I just want to take my time with these verses here. And I got outside of verse uh, number 21, but I just want to read this. I'm not going to deal with it. He says, and it came to pass that the beggar died. You see it? You see, you're not going to suffer always. They sing the song, trouble don't last always. Can I say something? Just because you're rich <laughs> don't mean that you're going to hell. And oh, just because you're poor don't mean God going to have mercy on you and you're going to heaven. I know a lot of poor people who are ratchet people who will kill you people. You laughing, I'm serious. I know a lot of poor people. I'm from perhaps, well, it may still be the poorest city in the state in poverty. About six months ago to a year, and you hear me say, tell stories, and you probably think I'm just telling you stories just to tell you stories to sound good. But my city was the poorest in the entire state. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I know a bunch of poor folk who are ratchet folk, who will kill you kind of folk. They don't have nothing, but they'll take your life. My point is, just because you poor don't mean God going to let you into heaven. Just because you rich, all rich folk, y'all, ain't bad. Amen, somebody. And I want you to know, I want you to know God sends an equalizer here. God will level the playing field. Oh, yes, he will. And it came to pass. Now, I just want us to read this. Watch this. And it came to pass that the beggar, what, y'all, he did what? He died. He died. And watch this. And was what? Carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That's, that's metaphorical language. The rich man what? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Perhaps on the same day, the rich man also died. Watch this. And was let me read 23. Let me read. I just got to read this one. And in what? Hell. Now, for the scholars, I do know that hell doesn't always mean the same thing. Hell can be the grave. Hell can be Sheol. Hell can be Gehenna fire. Hell can be the Hadean world. I do know that. But I want you, I want you to see this here. And in hell, he lift up his what? Ooh, I want to tell you something, but I can't. Being in what? I want to tell you, but I can't there either. And see it, Abraham afar off, I want to say something, but I can't. And Lazarus in his book, I, I can't do it. But what I want you to understand here, here's what I want you to understand. Is hell is real. And with all, and all, all of his blue cross, blue shear, Brother Brown, all his aflac. All of the insurance that the rich man had could not keep him alive. All of his nurses that he had, all of his monies that he had could not keep him alive. Let me tell you something. Death is an appointment that the Lord God sets for each and every one of us. Some people will live till they're 50. Others will make it till they're 60. Some will make it 
filled as 70. Others will make it into 80 and into 90. But listen, y'all, it doesn't make a difference how long you live. But when you die, you better make sure that your business was taken care of on top of the earth. And the book says, in hell, he lift up his what? Oh, let me tell you this. Some say that hell is a, is a state of mind. Everybody who thought that that is dead, I wonder what they're talking about now in hell. Some of y'all missed that. All of the agnostics, all of your famous atheists, I wonder what they're talking about now. Let me give you these and then the lesson will be yours. We need to take God serious. Hello, church. We need to take God serious. Some of us are not taking the Lord serious. Some of us are not taking the Lord serious. Listen, we have to take God serious. We have to take our life serious. We got to take our life serious. Listen, don't tell nobody. God gives us one life. Just like he gave this man, the rich man, one life. He gave Lazarus one life. One was rich and the other was poor, but they only got one. You and I only have one. And I just told you some will live to be different ages. But we only get one life. And you better take the life that God gives us. The one life that he gives us. You better take that one life. And you better take it serious. Not only you better take your life serious. You better take your family life serious. Husbands, you better take your family life serious. Wives, you better take your family life serious. Somebody say, oh, you know, I just, I can just do what I want. I stopped by today to tell you, God going to judge everybody based upon the place and the position that God has given you in your house and in this life. And he's not going to judge you by Brother Wilson's standards. He's not going to judge you by somebody else's standards. He's going to judge you by what he gave you. You better take your family life serious. Men and women, you better take your marital life serious. You better learn how to talk to each other and talk right to one another. You better learn how to treat each other because God is going to judge you based on what you've done. Not only you better take your life serious, not only you need to take your family life serious, not only you need to take your marital life serious, you need to take your health serious. All that drinking. I wish I had a church up in here. Don't act like you ain't before. All that drinking, all that booze, all the beer, all the whiskey, all the wine. And somebody say, oh, but Bill, I ain't got, I ain't drinking nothing but margaritas. That's all I drink. It's my, whatever you drink, treat your body right. And all them grass you've been smoking. That's weed. That's weed. That's, that's weed. Oh, Brother Bill, that, that ain't bad for you. Matter of fact, that comes from the earth. God gave us that. Anything that is going to impair your mind. You better take your body serious. You only get one. You only get one. I had an uncle who drunk his liver away, literally. I mean, he just, the fellow was a, I mean, an outstanding, outstanding uh, athlete in school, and, and all he'd done was just drink and, and drink, and he, he drunk so much until he, he died. Are you listening to me? Take care of your body. You only got one. Oh, well, what about you who are gluttonous? Those of you who overeat, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not just the people who drink and not just the folk who smoke. Some folk overeat. Hello, somebody. 
and you think that's a good thing. Uh, well, Brother Bill, at least I got a good appetite. You got to treat yourself better than that. And let me tell you something. You better take your life serious. You better stop running them streets. Hello, somebody. You better stop. And you hear the old folk all the time say, there ain't nothing out there. Let me tell you something. If you see an old person at night at 3 in the morning, there ain't nothing out there for no 70-year-old man. Come on, somebody. Hey, man, there ain't nothing out there for no 90-year-old man. Ain't got nothing out there for you. The only 80 and 90-year-old men on the street at night is alcoholics and drug addicts and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Homeless folk. I'll tell you something. You got one body. That's all you got. And you better take care of it because you ain't getting no more. I was at Tulane the other night, and I was visiting one of my cousins there in Ville Platte who had kidney transplant 14 years ago, and she went home on yesterday. Thank God for that. And she was telling me that they have a mechanical kidney now. And I say, Lord have mercy. I mean, you know, they got all kind of stuff now, but, but they have a mechanical uh, kidney now. Thank God for technology. Amen, somebody. Yeah, thank God for technology. I don't know how long it takes for you. Maybe they got a list just like the other ones, but, but, but there's a mechanical one now. When you tear one up, you can get another, but I'm more sure it comes with a price. You better take care of your body. Take your life serious. Take your family serious. Take your marriage serious. Take your health serious. Take your career serious. Take your job serious. Be an asset on your job. Be an asset on your job. Qualify yourself to be an asset on your job. Make them say, I need him or her. Qualify yourself. Go up in the rankings on your job. Amen, somebody. Listen, you only got one shot. One shot. Church, don't blow it. Trust me. You'll remind yourself in hell. You know, I remember. We had a preacher, and he preached on hell, and he told us about hell. And you know what? I understand what he was telling us. He was warning me about this day here, this day here. But here's the sad thing about it. You can't do a thing about it. Y'all, I want you to understand. Whether it's real or not real, the parable, the place is certainly real. The scene is certainly real. There are people today who wish that they were alive right now and they cannot come back. I don't care what they say, what they try to do. Death is final. Your job is to take God serious. Let me go ahead and close this thing. Take him serious in your, in your life, in your family, in your marriage in your health, in your career, and take them serious with your, with your physical body. Now watch this here. You need to get your rest. And sometimes my wife say, how can you go to bed at 3 in the morning and jump up at 6.30? But I probably do that now, but a little bit more in the years coming, I might not be able to do that. But that's certainly not healthy. That's my point. You, you, you need to get your rest. I say you need to get your rest. Now, let me go behind here because somebody might take out some stones. You need to take care of your body and take your body serious. Young people, you cannot sleep around with Tom, Dick, and Harry. You got to take care of your body. Young sisters. Whew. You 
we've got to stop making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Somebody say, oh, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly as a preacher. You, you're being mean. I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be a good preacher. You can't keep having these children. And you ain't married. Brother Young, they mad already? They don't know how to just raise their hand and say, thank you, Jesus, for that word. Because you know I need to hear it. I was talking to one of the girls at school, and I was talking to a young lady. She had a child, and he's in school, and he's in pre-K, I think. And I, I was asking, I said, I say, you know, when y'all when y'all get married? Huh? When y'all get married? And she said, oh, Mr. Bills, you know, I, I'm not ready for no commitment. But what you don't understand is you have already committed yourself. You have already committed yourself with the child and the child's father for at least 18, 21, 25, 35, however many take, you know. But your commitment was backwards. You started with having the child when having the child is a benefit of being married. Oh, I wish I had a church up in here. I sure enough thought you was going to shout on that one. And we got young folk in the church of Christ who are having children and they ain't married. The bad thing about it is they don't stop. They have, they have one child. And then they, they have another child. And then they have another child. Let me tell you all something. Something wrong with that picture. And let me tell you something else. Let me throw this bone out there too. It's this. It's if, you, if you ain't married, you do not need to live with nobody who ain't your husband and ain't your wife. I don't care what you say. Oh, Brother Bill, you know, sure, I, I can make it. You know, I, I can sleep in one room and he sleep on a, let me tell you something. I don't care what kind of Christian you are. When stuff starts jumping. Stuff start moving. You're going to become like two magnets. I can't say what I really want to say. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Huh? It's a bad look. And Jesus ain't never supported that kind of lifestyle. And let me tell y'all something in the church. Now, we love the children. We love the children. The children, can I say something? Can I say something? The children is not the sin. The act is the sin. The children is the result of the sin. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Ooh, I tell you. And people in the church don't embrace that. Parents don't embrace it. Huh? Don't embrace that. Your son come home, and he got somebody pregnant, you ought to sit him down and talk to him. They say, now listen here now. Now, daddy love you. Oh, but what you got coming over here, that's your responsibility. Oh, no, 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 listen to me now. Listen to me now. I know we're going to rock him when he come. Amen. Say amen when you can. We forget about that sin. We just, ooh, he's so cute and. And all, yes, but you don't forget the re why that happened. And you got to sit your children down. And you got to tell them. You done messed up this thing once now. That's going to be your responsibility. I done, did, I done done my job now. Y'all, you, you gone. That's it. But let me tell you something. Just in case you get it while you're still in school. I hope all of y'all are hearing it, including my house. You're going to take care of your stuff. I got up too many times in the morning checking up on them folk right there. My wife was talking about that. She, you know, she was asleep, and, you know, she hear them, one of them cry, and she would just hit me on the side. And I knew that I had to get on out, and I roll up, stumbling, trying to go, and I'm like, 
you know, trying to get them. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out there walking and singing, amen, somebody. And they probably went to sleep fast and said, this Negro can't sing a lick. Let me fall asleep up in here. Listen, you got to take it. You got to take it serious. And whatever happened, whatever happened to old school folk? Huh? Man, you got somebody pregnant, you're going to marry that person. You're going to marry that person. And I know you can make mis mistakes, church, and I know you can willfully sin in that act because you know good and well what you're doing. I don't know why your folk talk about, well, you know, it's a mistake. No, it ain't no mistake. We need to quit that. It's not a mistake. What it is, is sin. And you knew exactly what you was doing, and you knew exactly what the result can be if it happened. We're too soft. Like what Eddie Murphy said. Too soft. Now, sit them down. Talk to them. In love, what you tell them is your responsibility. Now, I'm going to do what I can for you now, but that's your responsibility. You're in school? Okay, cool, fine. You're going to go around the corner and get somebody's job. You're going to support what you're All right, help you every once in a while now. I ain't going to let you fall and let you drown, but you're going to put some work in. Amen, somebody. You're going to put some work in. So you have to take your life. You see, I done lost some of y'all, but that's all right. That's all right. It's still good preaching. I don't care what you say. It's good preaching. Anytime you tell the truth, it's good preaching. Anytime you tell the truth and warn people of their sinful condition, that's good preaching. Anytime you warn people of where they can end up, that's good preaching. Anytime you warn people what Jesus has done for us, that's good preaching. But I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. Uh, I, I, don't, I better not even say this stuff here because I know sure enough I'm going to get the rocks and the stones out on that. You got to take Bible class serious. <sighs> you got to take worship serious. Now, you see, I knew you wasn't going to like it. You got to take it serious. The reason why folk not here on Sunday school, they don't take it serious. How in the world, when the church is being educated on theology, on God, the study of God, how you not going to be in the classroom of God? How you not going to be? Are y'all following me? Oh, I wish I had a brush step. You, you on the line? You on the line? You on the line? Are you on the line? Uh, or you, well, say yes. Say yes. You on the line, Brother Leo? You on the line, Brother Johnson? Listen, when you, when you are going to the next level of ministry, listen to what I'm saying. You don't change in them pews. You don't change in your bed. You change your thinking. You don't change in actions. You change in attitude. It's based upon how you view something. You got to take Worship serious. Don't tell me you take it serious and you come in at 1025. Every Sunday. Yes, stuff happens. Yes, you have a flat tire. Yes, you got to go back and change the baby diapers. Yes, you have to go do this. And yes, you have to go do that. But every Sunday. You got to take that offering serious. You can't just pass over that offering. You can't plan when you sit down in the pews talking about how much I'm going to give God. You should have done that throughout the week. You got to take the Lord's Supper serious. If anything should make us repent, it ought to be the Lord's Supper. When our mind go back to the cross and know that we ain't worthy to be saved, but God saved us anyhow. I'm going to quit because y'all seem like y'all don't want none of this, but I'm just enjoying this stuff because it. I was working on this lesson. I said, "Woo, man. I said, boy, I tell you what, I need to work on this. I need to work on that. I need to work on this. I need to work on that. But listen here, I got a lot of work to do, but I'm going to keep on working. Keep on working, man. I'm going to keep on working because I believe the blood going to get me in the end. 
I just believe it. And we need a church that's going to work. That's what we need. That's what we need. That's what we need. And I know that what we're doing on Sunday nights, I know some of y'all ain't feeling it. I know it. I know it. But whenever we're not feeling something, that's what we got to teach on. Why you got to teach on? I told you last Sunday, Sunday is all day the Lord's day. All day the Lord's day. All day. Y'all, I'm telling you, all you got to do is change your attitude towards it. That's all you got to do. Just change your attitude towards it. I want to tell you a story. I told it, I think, about four years ago. Some of y'all got spiritual amnesia, so you probably forgot. <laughs> you didn't get that. There was a fellow who went to bed one night, and he, he got into a deep trance, a deep sleep, fell into a dream. The fellow fell into a dream, and he found himself in hell. The fellow walked up to the entrance of hell, and he saw on a sign. The sign said, Welcome to hell. And while he was walking the halls of hell, there were signs that were up. One sign says, no leaving hell. While he continued to walk, another sign says, no water in hell. Then he kept walking and he kept walking. He saw no relief in hell. The fella got at the end of the hallway. And there was an angel standing at the gates of hell. And his story says that he was watching hell gates swing open and close, open and close. And the story says while the gates of hell would open up, he got a glimpse of hell. The story says he saw the flames in hell. He heard screams in hell. He heard crying in hell. He heard people making noises in hell. And the story says that while the doors were open up, he got close enough. The angel allowed him to get close enough. And he saw some faces in hell. Some of the faces he saw, he didn't recognize. But there were some faces that he recognized. There were some family members he saw in hell. There were some friends he saw in hell. There were some enemies he saw in hell. And the angel took him and put him at hell's entrance, and the angel began to speak to him. He says, go, tell what you have seen, never to come back here again. The story says he jumped up out of his sleep. He was drenched in sweat. He picked up the telephone. He called up his friend. He says, man, he said, listen, listen. He said, I've just been to hell. He said, what? He says, I'm telling you, I've just been to hell. He said, now slow down, bro. He says, listen, I've just been to hell and back. He says, now, bro, come on. He says, no, no, no. He says, bro, my clothes are soaking wet. He says, my clothes still smells the smoke. I tell you that story to say this. Hell is real. And whether you want to believe it or not, I'm not one to try to find out. If there's good, there must be evil. If there's God, there must be a Satan. If there's a heaven, there must be a hell. I don't like to go where I'm not invited. Nobody was ever invited to hell. 
hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Don't go where you did not get an invitation. That's my lesson to you tonight. Uh, today, tonight rather, I'll talk to you about some things we can learn straight out of hell. That's tonight. And I hope you find it in your heart to love the Lord enough to say, I'm coming back tonight. Not just to hear that, but I'm coming back because it's the Lord's day all day. If you're not a child of God, you come by hearing his word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, being buried in a liquid tomb of water baptism for the remission of your sins. If you're a child of God, you're living in sin. You know that if you died today, that heaven would not be your eternal resting place. Here's an opportunity. The rich man wish he had. The rich man wish he had your opportunity, but he don't have your opportunity. This is your one opportunity to make it right with your God. If you're a child of God, you got sin in your life, you need to correct some things. As together we stand and together we sing the invitation of song, why don't you come? Why don't you come?